Mark chapter number four. We're going to go back here, um, and because of next week, we're kind of going to be off. We're just going to talk a little bit here about the parables. Um, again, we're here in Mark four, and uh, Mark doesn't have a lot of parables in the book. Uh, Matthew and Luke have a lot more, and, and again, if you pulled out all of the conversation, all of the discourse of the Lord, like in Matthew, Matthew would literally be smaller than Mark, but Mark doesn't contain a lot of the verbiage, a lot of the talking uh, that Jesus does, that Matthew and Luke record, and even really John records, but Mark does contain uh, very specific parables, and it's important to see the reason behind the parables and uh, really kind of what's going on here. Uh, again, it's vital to, to clearly understand why the Lord taught in parables and really what's going on here. If you look in chapter 4 and verse number 9, uh, and he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's going to be all, the issue all the way down now. Because there are some people at this time in the Lord's earthly ministry who are uh, proving themselves that they don't want to hear. They they don't want to listen. They're, they're rejecting the Lord and his message and his ministry. So then ultimately they can't hear him anymore. And they, Proverbs 29.1, they harden their hearts and they get to the degree where they cannot hear anymore. So if you look here at verse 10, and when he was alone, uh, I, I, I love that he's alone here. He's been withdrawn. He, He's been preaching. The multitudes have been coming. The leadership has set in. They've now decided it's time to kill him. They're, chapter 3 there, they're laying the plot in, the plans in. And then now he's alone. And uh, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So we're going to get a two, we got two groups of people here within the nation of Israel. Here's the result, verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. So verse 13, don't you know the parable? And they're like, well, no, we don't. That's why we're asking. And he goes, okay, how are you going to know all the parables? So what you have here is the Lord is going to explain the parable of the sower specifically. By the way, he does. this parable is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he's going to use this parable of the sower as a template to, for the believing remnant to be able to understand all the rest of the parables. Now, we're going to go to Matthew 13 here. And in Matthew 13, he explains the parable of the tares, the wheat and the tares. Now, in Mark, the wheat and the tares aren't here. Uh, but actually, if you look at verse 21, we, we have a candlestick. And then in verse 30, the mustard seed. So, you know, we, but that parable of the sower, and there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. So uh, come over to Matthew 13. He's going to explain the parable of the sower, and that, again, and the, and the parable of the tares, the wheat and the tares, we call it, and that literally becomes uh, the template for everything else that's going to happen. And he does these two. So, and again, the sower is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And again, it explains, by the way, in all three, he explains it in all three. 
He doesn't just say, see Mark or see Matthew. He it goes through it and so forth. So in Matthew 13, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 3, uh, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. By the way, notice these two parables that he uses, it's about sowing. So it's going to be about ministry and what he's doing. Verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And he begins to explain it in verse 18. Verse 24, Here's and another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So now we're going to have the, sower, the, the parable of the tares among the wheat. Verse 36, he's going to explain it. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So you have... The, the explanation, and again, both of them are about sowing. And the Lord here is going to give them a template of, hey, if you learn how, you learn this, these, what, and by the way, he's going to hit every detail. He doesn't leave a detail un, uh, uninterpreted. He hits everything so that then they'll know how to look at the rest of them that are coming and know what's going on. So when, when you think about a parable, uh, come back to Proverbs 26. Parables are very interesting uh, things here. Again, last time we kind of defined it as a uh, par uh, Proverbs 26, as when you, you lay something down next to another item, parallel lines, that type of idea. So if this is the physical thing works this way, then the spiritual item works the same way. So if you want to understand what the physical looks like, then you'll understand what the spiritual is. Uh, when people talk about uh, rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, they say, oh, that's a parable. Well, if it's a parable, then it's, then it's, then it's a little lesser than what reality really is. So if the torment, and by the way, they say that so they get around the torment of hell, of the, of the torment side of hell. Well, if the torment and the fire and all that is just a parallel, uh, just a, a, a lesser, then it's lesser than what really is there then. It's, it's not a way to escape to say it's a, it's a parable. Why? Because if you can grasp the physical side, then guess what you're going to grasp? What the spiritual issue is as well. Notice Proverbs 26, and look at verse 7. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Now, think about that. The legs of the lame. Well, if you're lame, what are you doing? You're limping. You're off balance. But what happens? You begin to, you, can, you, you start walking in a circle. So what's a parable in the mouth of a fool? Just going in a circle. There's no, there, there's, it doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the legs of the lame, they don't walk in a straight line. They're crooked. They're, they're always, you know, uh, Linda and I, Linda, she doesn't walk straight. She, she drifts left or right, left, and then bangs into me. And it's like, really? Would you? And she's like, you know I don't walk straight. Well, she has a balance issue. She always has, and that's okay. And it's just that constant little, well, that's what a parable in the mouth of a fool does. There's nothing, it's done going a straight line. It's crooked. Look at verse 9. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Think about that. A thorn go in the hand of a drunkard. They don't feel it. They don't get the point of it. It just, it's there. Well, what's a parable in the mouth of the fool? Who's the fool? They don't get it. They're, the fool is them that is slow to believe the scriptures. Slow here. So when you talk about a parable, 
it's not some great high-minded, come back to Mark 4, their great wonderful thing here that, they, that, the peop, that the preachers make it out to be. And I'll be honest with you, they, they make it out to be such high things a lot of times because they don't understand what's, what's even going on in the parable. They'll say, don't. I was reading a guy the other day, and he's like, well, you can't attribute a meaning to every detail in, of the parable. And I'm like, well, in a minute we'll see. Well, the Lord does. So, well, do, you know why? Because he doesn't grasp what, every, what the details are really about. The guy didn't. The author didn't. He's trying to curb, curb his... And a lot of it, I'll be honest with you, is they just don't study the word rightly divided. They don't look at the dispensational thing. And they're trying to make the Lord this great storyteller so everybody gets it. And really, he's going to say, no, Mark 4.10. They ask him about the parable. And he says unto them, verse 11, unto you is given. To them it's not, to you it is. So you've got some things going on here. So they ask him in verse 10 about the parable. Now, uh, come back to Matthew 13. Uh, Six something in Mark. We're going to spend a little time here in Matthew 13. does the same thing. But in Matthew 13, notice why they ask him. I'm sorry, what they asking? Matthew 13, verse 10. And the disciples came, by the way, Mark 4, 10, and they ask of him the parable. Well, what did they ask him? Matthew 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? So what did they ask him? What's the deal? Why are you talking this way now? Before, you were pretty straight, pretty clear, pretty plain. Now you're talking in this thing, in this riddle thing that we've got to figure out here. What are you doing? Verse 11. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. That's pretty clear that we now have an establishment by the Lord of two groups in the nation of Israel. We have an apostate group, they're not to get it, and we have a believing remnant, a little flock group, a believing group that is to get what's going on. Verse 12, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not neither do they understand why why are you talking well because they see it but they see not they don't get it they hear they don't hear they hear it they're not they're not believing they're rejecting verse 14 and and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, so that's Isaiah, actually this is Isaiah 6, verse 10, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should Heal them. Again, what, what's happening out there in the multitude? The Lord is telling the little flock, the 12 specifically, I understand what's going on. Here's what's happening. And guess what? There's a believing element. They're, they're going to get it. And there's an unbelieving element. They're not getting it. And actually what they're doing is they are the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. They are literally, they are fulfilling it. They don't see it. They don't get it. And the reason why is that they don't believe him. He's been preaching to them. He's been, tell, he's been preaching and showing, Luke 8, 1 there. 
He's been doing. And you know what they say? I can't hear him. I can't see him. And I mean, they're looking at him. But they don't believe. And it's because of their unbelief. They have ears that don't hear. They don't, they're not even listening anymore. If, if you look, and that's the issue. By the way, look at verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. There's a little flock. There's that believing remnant. So you've got two groups here in Israel at this time. At this point, he's, again, he's been preaching to the nation. He's been calling them out to repentance. He's coming there do, doing uh, miracles and everything, and yet their response to him has been rejection, negative, let's kill him, let's kill him, let's kill him. Let's get him. Well, then guess what? You're not going to see, and you're not going to hear. So the parables have, there, there's a couple things that have to deal with the parables. The first one, whenever you study the parables, there's really three things you need to remember. One is why he spoke in the parables. Okay? Why? Well, because the parables, verse 15, they're associated with not only fulfilled prophecy, verse 14 and 15, but they're associated with the, the judgment of God judiciously blinding an apost the apostate nation of Israel, okay? As it was promised by the prophets that it was going to happen. Moses told them in Deuteronomy, you guys are going to be cut off. You guys are going to be blinded. You're going to be judged. Leviticus 26, he gives them the five courses. The parables are associated with the judicial blindness that's, inflict, that, that's uh, uh, inflicted on those of Israel, in Israel who have rejected the calling to repentance, again, through John the Baptist, through the Lord, through the Twelve, ultimately in Acts, through that little flock, they have chose to close their eyes, to close their ears, come over to Mark 4, and not listen to the truth of God's word. They, they've just shut things down. So when he speaks, uh, Mark 4, verse 10, in, this, in the parables, why does it? Well, because some are going to get it, and then some are not to get it. Uh, 4.10, and when he was alone, they that were, about, uh, were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Again, Matthew 13, why, why do you speak in the parables? Verse 11, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see, and what? Not perceive. They saw him do the miracles. I pointed out to you, they didn't have a problem. They never said he didn't do them. He saw, they saw him do it. The problem is, is they perceived not. They didn't, they didn't put the two together. Hearing, they may hear and not understand. They heard his words. Those rascal Pharisees, they get in there and they ask him a question. He asks them a question and he don't, they don't even answer him. They just keep quiet. That means what? They heard the question. They, they were involved in the debate. And then they, he asked them something they couldn't answer. And so they, he just, so, but what's up? They don't understand. They don't perceive. They don't believe that he is who he says he is. They have chosen to not believe. So the parables signal a judgment of God on the nation of Israel in the form of blindness. Uh, come over to John uh, chapter 12. Again, remember John 1.11, and he came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become. John chapter 12. 
So <laughs> there are two groups, the ones that don't receive him and the ones that do receive him. And then there's things that are there. The ones that do receive him, the little flock, they, he, he talks to, he's going to talk to them here in great detail in the book of John. But to, that, to those who don't receive him, he says, I'm going to take the kingdom from you and I'm going to give it to a nation bringing forth the fruits of righteousness. They're bringing forth the fruits that are meat for repentance. They're bringing forth the fruit of the kingdom. They're going to get it. By the way, that's why the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower focuses on what kind of ground there is, okay? Because that ground is to bring forth fruit. And so really what you're seeing in the parable of the sower is here's where the little flock is coming from that is going to produce the fruit of the kingdom. So when you, when you begin to look into this, it's like, wow, okay, cool. Uh, John 12, look at verse 36. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. Now that's the opposite of what every mainline Christian preacher says, or theologian says. They say he's out there trying to do this and get everybody and convert the world. And what did he do? He looks at them and says, the light's here. You ought to be children of the light. And then he departed and hid himself from them. He goes completely the other way. Verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. What, what did they do? They saw it. They didn't perceive. No belief. Now watch verse 38. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled when she spake, Lord, who hath believed our report and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53 verse 1. He's been out there preaching and showing. They don't believe. Why? So the scriptures would be fulfilled. The prophetic pro scripture, the prophecy is fulfilled right there. Bam. Got them. Therefore, verse 39, they, what? Could not believe. And again, Proverbs 29, verse 1, the hard, much reproof, hardeneth our, Why? He's been preaching at them. He's been talking to them. He's been dealing with them. And they, their, their response to that word is one of negativity. So it just gets them on to the point where they could not believe. The first, they, they could have believed at the very beginning. He gave them the opportunity to believe. He gave them the means to believe. He gave them the word. He's been preaching to them. He's been doing the miracles. Yet they didn't believe, so now they are at the point where they couldn't believe. They have been judicially blinded. They're in that Isaiah 6 category. Verse 40, He hath blinded their eyes and hardeneth their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things saith Isaiah when he saw the glory and spake of him. Notice the process there. He came, he preached to them, they rejected him, and they rejected him and the word to the point where they couldn't believe. And if, you're, if you have the reproof of the God's word, and you don't respond positively to it, your heart will be hardened. You'll bow your back. But it'll be unbelief that's doing it. It isn't God himself doing it. It's you doing it to yourself. So Israel here, they're at the place where the judicial blindness is on them now. And as a result of that, you have literally two groups 
in Israel. The Lord's going to withdraw himself from the one, the apostate nation, and he's going to focus in on the believing nation. And he's going to take them, train them, teach them. Matthew 21, 43 there, where he talks, about, talks to them. And he makes that wonderful statement, Therefore say I unto you, the Pharisees, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation. Luke 12, 32 identifies that nation as the little flock. Fear not, uh, it is your father's, fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. The things there are the things of the Gentiles, of physical issues. So don't let the things hang you up. <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and so forth. Then that verse 43, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So go back to Mark now, Mark 4. So when, when Christ begins to teach in parables, the first question that you deal with is why does he do this? Well, it's because the parables are going to be associated with the, the judicial blinding of the apostate nation. They have ears and eyes, and they can't see, they can't perceive, they can't understand, they don't get it, and they did it to themselves. That's why Mark 4, 9, over and over again, he's going to say, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have hearing ears? That's the issue. That's the question. By the way, that's the pattern. You go over there to Matthew 13, and you start there in about verse number 9, and it says, here, Matthew, look at, just look at it. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse number 9. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 18. Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower. And that becomes the issue. Come over to the book of the Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. That's, that becomes the pattern. This issue about hearing. They have to be able to hear what's being taught. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... But when they hear the words, they have to do what? Believe it as the word of God. Revelation 2 in the seven church messages here to the little flock at large, look at 2.7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 11, 2.11. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Verse oh, 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Verse 29, 2.29, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Chapter 3, verse 6, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 7, verse 13, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 13, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him So the hearing, the ear issue there's a pattern here, and that's the, the people in the tribulate, in the trib, the seventh week of Daniel here. By the way, that Revelation 2 there, verse number 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. What are they facing? They're facing false apostles, false prophets, false antichrist. Verse 9, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and they are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. I mean, they're up against this great opposition. And you know what he says? One's going to hear, one can't hear. 
So when the parables, when the Lord begins to speak in the parables, uh, come back to Mark 4 and Matthew 13. First, the parables are spoken in such a way, the reason the Lord is speaking in the parables is because one group's going to get it and the other one is not. So the parables are taught in such a way for only the believers to get it and to understand it. And so the other group doesn't, and they're left out, okay? So why are you teaching in the parables? Well, because one group's blinded and the other one isn't. One group's not to get it, the other one is to get it. Then the next question, number two, what are the parables really all about? Mainline Christianity will tell you that they are great stories, of practical, moral, Christian behavior and lifestyle. And thanks for playing. Okay? Mark 4, look at verse 11. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the church, the body of Christ. No, the kingdom of God. Come over to Matthew 13. So, the parables are about what? The mysteries of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, uh, if you look at verse 18, hear, 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 ye the, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, again, not the church, the body of Christ, but the kingdom, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto. And we did this last time. Verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 33. The kingdom of heaven. Uh, another parable spake he. The kingdom of heaven is like unto. And you do that in verse 36 and verse 44, 45, 47. And what do you learn? The parables are like unto the kingdom come over to chapter 20 of Matthew and again you can do this in Matthew a lot easier because Mark doesn't carry all of these other parables Matthew 20 and verse number one for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a, hus a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his the kingdom of heaven uh, chapter 25 of Matthew Matthew 25. So the parables are about the kingdom program, not about the church, the body of Christ. Matthew 25, 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. So then you got that. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and off you go. So the topic of the parables is the kingdom of heaven, not the church, the body of Christ. But when you go back to chapter 13 of Matthew, and you do this in Mark as well, Mark 4 there, he talks about in verse 11, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, the kingdom program is not a mystery. When, G when John the Baptist comes and preaches, repent for the kingdom is at hand, they know what he's talking about. They know, th th when the Lord says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they know what, he's been, what they've been talking about this since a Abraham. <laughs> Actually, it's been talking, talked about since Genesis 1 with Adam. But for Israel's sake, it's not, everybody knows about the coming, the kingdom. It's a, clearly, it's, it's a clearly identifiable thing. A literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom centered in Jerusalem, housed in Judea, and there it is. So when he says mystery here, He's not talking about something that, that this has been kept secret from everybody and nobody knows about the kingdom, but rather 
when he says mystery, there is some information about the establishing of the kingdom that had not been laid out fully in Scripture yet. Come over to 1 Peter chapter 1. There's some information that's not clear in Scripture um, pertaining to the establishment uh, and the mechanisms of how the kingdom is going to be established. And now, with the Lord, the Lord saying, look, apostate Israel has been judicially blinded. I'm not talking to these people anymore about this. I'm talking about you guys now because you guys are the true Israel of God, the believing remnant. We're going to deal with you guys. So there's some things that you need to understand that these folks are not to get and to understand. So the parable is going to be dealing with the issue, again, while the kingdom was not a mystery, but how it was going to be established was. Doubt mechanisms, those things were kept secret. Now he's going to begin to reveal them, but only to the believing remnant. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse number 9, here's Peter talk about his program. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Here's what the prophets say. Searching, what are they doing? Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Notice, there's two things that the prophets know about. They know about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that is to follow. But what they don't know is what or what manner of time. Okay? They get the prophecy about suffering and the glory but they don't know how it all fits together. How, where do we put it on the timeline? And that's what dispensational Bible study is all about. You take things and you put it on the timeline where it belongs. So they're back here in time past. They, the sufferings of Christ is the cross. Okay, when's that going to happen? The glory is the coming kingdom that should have come, that's to come right after that. But where does that compl- you know, happen? So they are, what do you do with it? They don't understand that. They understand the details. They understand the events are going to happen. But they don't understand how it works together. Verse 12 unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. Notice, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The end of this is the second coming. But the point here is that there are things that they didn't understand. They didn't how how to put it all together. They understand the literal, physical, visible kingdom. They just don't get the timing. Okay? That's why in Acts 1 they say, verse 6 there, at, is it going to restore the kingdom at this time? They don't, even there, they don't get the timing yet. They understand what the kingdom is. Don't get me wrong. They got that. They just don't un, didn't understand the timing of it. And what the parables are going to do is they're going to focus on that issue of the timing. They're going to talk about the kingdom. But they're going to focus in on specifically the issue of the timing and the fact that that kingdom has been postponed. 
it's been delayed. So then they're going to focus in, because they're focusing in on the timing, come over to Luke 19. They, they focus in on the timing. They're going to focus in on why the delay. There's a, there's a, think about this. There's a first coming. Then there's a delay. Then there's the tribulation and the second coming. And then there's the kingdom. And the timing becomes the issue. And what's going to happen, <coughs> here's a delay. Here's why. Here's how that works. And here's what you're going to be doing in the delay. Here's, here's, here's what's going to happen in it. Luke 19 is where we need to be. So the sower, the parable of the sower, talks about the four. Oh, excuse me. Popeyes is talking to me. <clears throat> and yes, on my diet, I can eat Popeyes. Okay? Once a week. It's my cheat day. The sower, the parable of the sower, talks about, talks about the forming of the little flock. That is going to take place during the earthly ministry of the Lord and in the early Acts. The parable of the tares is going to pick up from the Acts period and go all the way in through the tribulation and then into the kingdom. A lot of things going on there. Okay? But what the tares does, the parable of the tares and the, the wheat and the tares, is it comes along and it tells them where to put everything on the timeline. In 2 Timothy 2, you remember Paul? Right, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then he talks about those two guys who have erred concerning the resurrection, saying what? The resurrection is past. They have a Bible doctrine of the resurrection. Legit, scriptural, bam. They just have it where? In the wrong place. So they're deadly. They're dangerous. It's not enough to be Bible, you have to be dispensational. And that's what the parable here of the tares is going to do. It's going to put it, here's where this stuff belongs. We'll see that here in just a sec. So the parables, first of all, they're not to teach truth to anyone and everybody. Okay? They're only to teach truth to the believing remnant, to the element that believes. All right? Then it, they're going to talk about how the kingdom program has been delayed. And then what that believing remnant, that little flock, is going to do during the delay. And oh, by the way, why the delay is there. I never forget the why. Okay? Now look at Luke 19 and watch a great illustration of this in verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should, what? Immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now think about where we're at in Luke 19. He just told them in Luke 18 that he was going to go to the cross and die, be buried and rose again, and they don't believe him. They actually rebuke him. So they're not, we're not talking about him going to Calvary. What do they, they think is supposed to happen? The kingdom's coming. It's supposed to be here right now. Wait a minute. We're supposed to have been here. You know, they're, so what does he do? He lays a parable on them of the nobleman going off to, to do what? Receive a kingdom and... Return. So he's going to begin to talk to them about how this is going to work. Verse 13. What's he going to do? The nobleman's going to go off, receive a kingdom, and then to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. All right? Here's what he's going to go do. He's going to go get the kingdom... But in my absence, here's what you're going to do. You're going to occupy. What the little flock is to do in the absence of the Lord, 
while they're waiting for him to return with his kingdom, what are they going to do? They're going to occupy. They have an occupation to do. That when we went through this and when we studied Luke, I spent probably too long hammering this home. They've got a job to do. That's why when he comes back in verse 16, then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. So there's work that they are doing. Occupying isn't like an occupying force in the military and they just go sit there. By the way, there is a guy that just sits there and he got nothing. Okay? No, they've got a job to go do and then based on their performance, their job performance, then there's ranking and authority and so forth. But look at verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. There's Acts 7, the stoning of Stephen. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having what? Received the kingdom. That's Daniel 7 with the ancients of days. Goes and gets the kingdom. And he's going to do what? He's returned. Then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money. And off he goes. So what's happening in the Acts period? They have a job to do. There's a delay. He went to get the kingdom. So if you think about resurrection, ascension, Acts 1, he's up there. He's waiting to make his enemies his footstool. Now they send Stephen up there. It's time. He stands. He's to come back and finish out the program. He's to come back with the kingdom. The problem, though, is... What is the parable telling them? The parable is describing the delay and what they're doing in the delay. What are they doing? They're occupying. They have a job to do. Again, that is to build up that little flock and get that going, get those apostates, go win as many apostate Israel, get out, come out from that untoward generation. Think, I love that word, untoward we know what it is to go towards something. What would untoward be? Go the other way. <laughs> Run from it. Quick. Get out of there. And that's what's happening. So the parables here, the parable, especially the tares, this one here with the, with the nobleman and the ten pounds and everything, he, here's what's happening. Here's, here's what the, between the first and the second coming, here's what's happening. Here's the events. Here's the details, here's the timing, and oh, by the way, here's the opposition. Because what are they going to do? They kill the guy. So, come back to Mark 4. So the parables, one, why does he teach them? Well, because he's identifying the two different groups within the nation, the believing remnant and the unbelievers. Two, he's going to veil the truth veil some information just so that the little flock would understand because it's focusing in on the delay, why the delay and in the program, the kingdom program, and what they're going to be doing during the delay. So that's the mystery component. By the way, none of that had been parsed out for them. Okay? When you think about the prophetic scriptures, he says, I came to fulfill the prophets. They wrote about me. He, he's there doing that, but yet he's the one that added the year for, of the Acts period. That's something new. It wasn't back there in Isaiah, Jeremiah, the, you know, and the boys. Now we have something new here. Okay? Now in Mark 4, which is where we are, the third component to the stuff to remember about the, Pharise about the Pharisees about the par parables, is that he's going to explain to them how to interpret the parables so that they can understand what's, what he's talking about. So he's going to use the sower, parable of the sower and the parable of the tares to teach them how to identify and to understand what's going on. Look at 4.13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? Get this, you'll get it. 
the sower soweth the word. All right? So the sower is sowing what? A seed. But what is the seed? It's the word. Now look at Luke 8. Hold on to Mark. Look at Luke 8. And look at verse 11. Luke 8, 11. Luke 8, 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So Mark says the seed is the word. Luke says the seed is the word of God. But look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13 and verse number 9, uh, verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. See how Matthew got it specific? Mark is, a, you know, kind of general, the word. Luke goes, no, it's the word of God. But Matthew says the word of the kingdom. Very specific. So who's preaching the gospel of the kingdom? John the Baptist, the Lord, the twelve, the little flock. Very specific words here. So when you come back, uh, hold on to Matthew 13, but come back there to Mark 4. So the seed represents the word of God. But what part of the word of God? Well, the very specific about the kingdom. Then he says here in Mark 4, verse 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, we're going to, when we come back after Thanksgiving, we're going to go through the passage a little bit more succinctly. But notice this first side. If you look over at verse 4, Mark 4, 4, And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. But what does he say in verse 15? The fowls of the air represent who? Satan. So what happens is, is all through Scripture, fowls of the air, birds, are usually associated with the adversary in a picture-type thing. Okay, now come back to Matthew 13. So he's going to identify each component, each part. Look at Matthew 13. Uh, and uh, look at verse, well, the, the sower uh, of the tares here, verse 37. Okay, 37, Thir- uh, 1337. He assigns a meaning to every detail. And just as an illustration of this, just kind of so you see, we're going to look at the details of the sower. Mark doesn't have the sower in it, but Matthew does. But just watch how you can use the tear, parable of the tares, to see where it's showing, where it's going to, what it's pointing to. Okay? Verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So who's, who's the sower? Christ is. Okay, the good sower. Now watch the detail. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil... The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Is there any doubt to what each one is? Not at all. Very detailed. Nothing left to, well, maybe it could be this or maybe. No, it is very detailed. Now, watch verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, and the fire is... No, it doesn't say that. So shall it be in the end of this world. The only item that doesn't have a correspondent, corresponding uh, explanation is fire. Because fire is 
fire. The judgment of the fire is literal fire. <laughs> it's a real deal. Now, I know what everybody does. Don't, can't say that. You'll offend somebody. So, we got to make it this figurative thing. But the scripture says it's what? Fire. You see, the fi- is there fire in hell? Yes. It's literal fire. My point is, is that Christ gives a meaning for each detail. Very specific. And that's why it's in very important. And that's what he's going to be doing. Again, time's up. The hour's up. So we'll look at the parable of the sower. Again, that's going to show us how the little flock is going to be gathered. Four different soils in Israel. And that believing remnant, they're going to be in that good soil because that's where the fruit is produced. You... you been working uh, you go out there and you're going to make a garden and in our environment you have to re- literally almost replace the soil because it's not a it's a too sandy it's too porous in places so you've got to lay in the mulch and you got to lay in this you got to lay in that why to get it to where it, you know you go back in illinois and it's that deep deep dark black so you just throw it out there water and it grows here you're, you're toiling and you're, you know, when's the night? When's night? I was out the other day working in the yard and it's like, you know, we could be done with the heat now, Lord. And it was like 87. But you're out, bend back, and you're just dripping and it's like, okay, uncle, you know. Yeah, now, again, I don't want the 20 degree weather, but still. But the tares here, by the way, look, look at, look at the, the verse 38. The tares here. Again, the, the field is the what? The world. Now, that tells us when this parable, the information here, will be applied. In the earthly ministry of the Lord, he says, I am sent not, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yet in Acts, Acts 1, 8, he expands their mystery, their, their ministry, to every creature, starting Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because the Abrahamic covenant is going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So the tares, the field here, so when are we, when's the parable of the tares going to be on board? That information, when's that going to happen? Well, when, after the resurrection... After the ascension, but where? Prior to the trib, prior to the second coming, and so forth. So it's, you know, that, that's how you look at that. You go, okay, when's, when's he dealing with the field? Well, it's going to be here and on down. That's, by the way, why these two are used to be the template for all of the others. Because it deals with how the little flock gets formed. And then it deals with that delay, why the delay, what's going to happen, what are they doing. But then it deals with that future working out of the believing remnant. Okay? So Mark 4, we're going to be gone next week. Mark 4, we'll get into the parable of the sower and dance down through those details. But I just wanted this evening to just look at, first, why did the Lord do it? Why does he speak in parables? I, again, the fascinating thing is we're in Mark 4. We're not in 12. You know, we're right off the bat here. Mark is laying in the fact that Israel has rejected the Messiah. He ain't waiting. Matthew 12 is the first time we really see in Matthew where they're hammering on him. Matthew 13, he start, or starts talking to him in parables. Why? Well, because there's two groups. Unbelieving Israel and believing Israel. All right? What are they designed to do? Give some information for one group to get, the other groups not to get it. And then to come in and to lay in every detail on how then to understand all the other parables. Because as they lay those in, 
And uh, again, you read through Matthew 13, and you see those seven parables of the mysteries of the kingdom. And man, it helps to have the first two identified for you to then jump through, you know, the peril and the pearl and the great swine and all this stuff. Then you understand that, okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son, for everything that you've given to us in Christ and uh, for everything that you're doing today, for your wonderful grace and glory and love and long suffering. In your name we pray. Amen.